Um, I want to thank the sponsors this morning, where uh, um, Shalom Huberfeld is sponsoring Lilu Nishmas, his mother, Sara Bas Yosef, whose Yosef is this week. Um, we are going to also, uh, um, I oh, had an opportunity to, to wish a Tzayskim Shalom to Abi and Ellen Najar, who are going for Avigail's wedding this, uh, this coming week. Amen Hashem, it should be Bashar Tava Mutzlacha. So we're going to miss you, but Amen Hashem. This is what it means, Odi Shama Ba'ari Yehudu B'Chutzos Yerushalayim. When the, the weddings are made in the Chutzos Yerushalayim, it's a very special time in Mr. Shem. We should all be there to, to celebrate with you, God willing. Um, and uh, let, us, let us begin. So without much further ado, we're, uh, let, let, let's start at the very beginning. So we're up to, I want to just tell you how proud I am to be at this point with you. This is the 13th echo. This has taken us three years of summers to get to. Okay, so this has been a long, long, long in the making. And this has been, Baruch Hashem, wonderful to, to get to the end of this um, slowly, methodically, and carefully. Also, to extend Mazel continue the continue Mazel to Wexelbam and Katz Mishbacha, celebrating the Shabbat of John and Ellie. Baruch Hashem, the Simcha continues. Mitzvah Hashem, we should always come together for for the Smachos. So here we go. The thirteenth Ikar is the resurrection, and uh, this is a very controversial Ikar as well, and also a widely misunderstood Ikar. So what I want to try to do is. is Understand some of the basics. There's so much to understand in this. There's so this is such a fascinating topic. So let's start at the beginning. Ramam tells us in his Pirush Mishnayos in Sanhedrin, This the thirteenth principle is resurrection of the dead, and I already explained it. Now if that, that 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 should be a little interesting to us because we've read all of the Rambam up till now, and the Rambam has been pretty clear about every fundamental of faith. And this one, he kind of, you know, footnotes, essentially. He, he says, you know, I've already explained it. He doesn't give us much detail. So already some people started scratching their heads and saying, what does the Rambam really mean? Well, he really means what he really means, which is that he did explain it beforehand. And if you reverse in this very, very long introduction to the 10th Perak of Sanhedrin, lo and behold, he talks about it exactly. Here's what he says in the, 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 the smaller print. He says, the Tchias is one of the fundamentals of the Torah of Moses. You don't believe it? You don't have your membership card anymore. But it is only for those who are righteous. Rain graces those who are worthy or not worthy. And those who are for righteous are the only ones to, to get the grace of of resurrection. That's what the, the Rambam says. He goes on to explain why some of the logistics of that. This is what the Rambam tells us. We know the last Ani Mamin is, is following on that, on, the, on, on that, of course, on that course. And the last um, line of Yigdal, it must be so important because we repeat it twice, right? Why do we repeat it twice? It's because it's odd. Yes. The tune, the tune has a high and a low, and there's, and there's 13 Ikarim, so it's odd. So we have to repeat it, right? But anyways, Hashem will, in the end of the day, resuscitate the dead. Okay, so this is, this is what we're talking about, the resuscitation of the dead. And there's a lot of questions we can and should ask in order to understand this. Can I ask you one question? Does that mean that the person will know who he was, or the body can be resurrected, which is, which is possible even possible okay, good. So, in the look, realm of today? There's going to be a lot of questions when asked. I want, I want to tell you what I'm not, we're not going to cover today. Number one is in our short amount of time, we're not going to cover reincarnation. Number one, reincarnation, 
which is what called Gilgul Neshamas, is not one of the Ikarim. Okay, so the notion that a human being comes back in some form or fashion within the, the confines of this world now, that we're not covering. Now, Ramam is not talking about that. He's talking about resurrection of the dead. So just, just to, to be clear, resurrection versus reincarnation. Okay, the one, it happens, but we're not talking about that right now. Number two is the specifics about how, and like, look, we're, we're not, most, of the, most of the capitalists say that today we're not f- fully one soul, meaning we're pieces of souls which we're correcting parts of, right? And so how that will look when the souls will all come back and, you know, people who are married to multiple people throughout the course of their lives or people who have passed away at different stages, we're not going to get into those specifics. I, we need to get to a more fundamental, more bedrock, which is the question of how and when. Okay, so, so I, I, the problem is we just simply don't have enough time to cover all those. But nonetheless, let, let's, let's start at the very beginning. For, just a basic question, folks. Has Tchias HaMesim happened? Has Tchias HaMesim occurred? Yes. The answer is... An unmitigated, yes, absolutely. Read Tanakh, right? So we read through Tanakh. There are numerous times where Tchias HaMesim occurs. So an example is Eliyahu. Eliyahu is living in a particular house, and the, and the person who's in charge, who, who owns the house, her son dies. And um, she turns to Eliyahu and she says, Eliyahu, just because you're getting judged, remember Eliyahu worked on precise, precise din. He judged B'nai Yisrael on such a level of din that he said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if they're acting like this, there's no rain. Right, there are so many things that he decreed on Israel, where Akash Baruch Hu, it seems like, actually has to tone Eliyahu down sometimes. Eliyahu is so precise. He's saying in this house, the son of the house dies. She says to him, why is it because you come here that the din of Akash Baruch Hu enters this house and affects my son? So what does Eliyahu do? Source two top of the page, in Pastor Chof Aleph. Hashem, please return the soul, this child. There was a resurrection. The soul returned. He was reconstituted. So he gives the child to her mother, and the child is alive. The the first, um, one of the first episodes of Tchias HaMesim. Later on, his student, Elisha, one of the things that Elisha asked for when Eliyahu was, was being removed from this world, Elisha asked for, for a very specific bracha. Does anybody know what the bracha Elisha asked was? He asked for Pishnaim. Anything that Eliyahu did, I can do double up. Which means to say that he actually did resurrection twice. We're familiar with the most one, one we're familiar with is the, the child of the Isha Shunamis. Again, Elisha was sojourning in the, in the area of Yehuda and Shamron, the Hare Ephraim, and um, a little further north. And, um, and uh, Elisha Shunamis made him his own room where he could stay. Her, he, she was blessed with a child by, by his prophecy. And she has a child. The, child, the child has some sort of headache and dies in the field. She goes out to, to Elisha, brings Elisha back, and Elisha does this whole process, and again, resurrects the child. That's the end of this, uh, the, uh, um, one of the Haftorahs we read throughout the year, in Melochim, Beis, Perek Dalet. In, uh, just to see it inside, the Pasuk Lamed Hay, uh, Lamed, uh, Lamed Dalet. He lies upon the child. He breathes into him. Remember, this child's dead. And he keeps repeating this process seven times, and the child's eyes open and, and returns to life. So, has Tchias Amesim occurred? Answer is yes. We've seen it in our history, it's recorded in Tanakh. Would you distinguish between resuscitation and resurrection? Okay, that's a good, a good point. 
because were today they dead or were they mo- or were they there were we go they, so were today they dead or they mostly dead so today today <laughs> as they say today <laughs> we'll say that medically there can be situations where a person may look dead but now it may not actually be dead right so I, but I, at this point in time i think that we're going to trust though you know i, I know that there's different ways we can we can explain this i think we're going to trust tanakh when they say he was dead he was dead as dead with a capital D, you know. So I think that we're not, we're not going to question, you know, the medical, you know, how long it took. But we can be for sure about one thing is that it, well, the Isha Shunamis and her donkey did not, you know, it must have taken a little while to get to Elisha and Elisha to get back. You know, public transportation in those days in the hills of Ephraim was probably not as it is today. And even today. But so in, in the end of the day, I think that we, we can safely ascertain that, that, that this wasn't a, a case of, uh, you know, of... Uh, Perhaps a mis- misdiagnosed condition. Um, nonetheless, if we want to be absolutely clear, Yechezkel tells us the same. Yechezkel is looking into the Bika Dura, in the Dura Valley. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him famously in Perek Lamed Zion, in the Sefer Yechezkel, he talks about he's seeing the Valley of Dry Bones, where he sees these dismembered bone, bones of some, some ancient group who had, who had died previously in the Gomorrah debates who they were. And ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu talks about how there, there's this movement in the bones, the, the dis, disparate parts of the body reunite with each other, the, 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 the muscles reform, the sinews reconnect, and Akash Baruch tells him, speak to the spirit, and the spirit, the, a, a wind blows through the valley, and these bodies actually are resuscitated and live again. And the Gomorrah debates, did they die afterwards, did they stay alive? There's a whole, who were these people, why were they resuscitated? You know, it's a really unbelievable story. Nonetheless, Yechezkel, according to Muslim Farshim, this actually happened, right? This wasn't Yechezkel lying there in bed dreaming this. This was Yechezkel actually seeing what occurred. So, in, in Jewish history, we are going too far. When we read Tanakh, yes, resurrection does definitely occur. And these were bones. This, was, this wasn't any... Yeah, this wasn't a person who was uh, on the operating table. We're, we, this, is, this is really, uh, uh, it absolutely does occur. The question is, is not really did it occur, but the question is, will it occur? <coughs> right, so we, we have ascertained that in historically speaking, yes, there, there's been numerous accounts. Will it occur in the future? And the answer is, once again, yes, absolutely. If you read the end of the Yechezkel episode in Source 4, in Pasuk Yudbeis, Says Hashem to Yechezkel, Say to Israel, remember, Yechezkel speaking to the people who live in Babylon, the people who live and have witnessed the destruction of the base of Migdash from afar, the first temple. Speak to them. I'm going to resuscitate you. Just like I did this to them, to this, this valley of bones, I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. Whether that means metaphorically, I'm going to allow you back from Golis. But certainly we know this, probably not metaphorically, because this is the beginning of the 70-year period of Golis, right? This, there's, there's going to ultimately be a resuscitation. You'll know this will be true when I open your graves and you're able to come out. That's, what Yechezkel, that's the reason why Yechezkel was given this, not because of the past. Those people might have been inconsequential to the fact that the lesson needed to be learned by the audience who are living now. Know that there's going to be a Tchias Amesim. Dan- Daniel says, was remember that, what was that? Was he referring for the, for the end of the 70s? Great question, great question. So, there, there was a, the, many of the Mephorshim debate this. You see, this didn't happen to the people you're speaking to, Right. Meaning to say, I've told them they're still buried right now, right? So, um, who is he talking about? 
So the, 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 the most of the Farshim say, well, maybe he's referring to the Asid Lava, right? He's referring to the future, future, future. We're going to deal with when that future is. But there are Mepharshim who say that, no, it could have been them. It really could have. At the building of the second base of was what we call a messianic potential era. There could have been Mashiach, like we talked about last week. There was Mashiach. There are times it could come. It should have come. It could have come. It would have come. It didn't come. And so therefore they, they, missed, that, they missed that boat. But yes, he might have been speaking to them specifically. Uh, but still, we're waiting. We're still, we're still going to get there, God willing. Daniel says, Daniel, remember the book of Daniel is, most people have not <coughs> met people who have learned the book of Daniel for a very simple reason. It's at the very end, and number two, it's written in Aramaic. Aramaic, right. So that's what makes it a little more tough to, re, uh, to read. There are parts of that are in Hebrew, and towards the end, this is really the last parak, it's in Hebrew again, and he says the following, in, in, in source 5, Pasuk Beis, Parakit Beis, um, Pasuk Beis, but Rabbim Yishenei Admas Afar Yakitsu, many of those who sleep in the dust will arise again. So yes, there's going to be a time, says Daniel, very unequivocally, there's going to be a time where there's going to be resuscitation, resurrection of the dead. Those who are going to be ascend and those who are going to descend from that point in time, is, it's going to happen, it's going to be here. So this is without, even, this is without reading Talmud, this is without reading Chazal, this is without going to anything else. If you just read the Psukim, it did happen, it will happen, yes, absolutely. This is, this is, this is an undebated fact of Jewish life. Um, the question, more importantly, is when and how. Now, that's, the, that's, that's really the, 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 I have a question about this. So, um, I, was actually, um, I was actually chatting with uh, Abby Deansteg yesterday, so he mentioned a joke. So, I thought I, would, I, I, wanted, I wanted to share his, his joke here. You know, unfortunately, there are many, many, uh, many people, uh, you know, there's always the brunt of the joke. There's always some group of, in society that has to be the, the brunt of, the, of jokes. So, the, it's usually mother-in-laws, right? <laughs> now, I have the most wonderful mother-in-law, so uh, it doesn't apply to me at all. But they, t- they tell a story about a fellow who, uh, who comes to, who's, who's taking a trip to Israel with his family, and his mother-in-law comes along with, and at the last day, Rahman Islan, uh, um, she passes away. And they say, well, what do you want to do about the last arrangements? So they said, well, there's two options. You can, if you want to go back to America, it costs $10,000. But if you want to have a burial over here, it's only five hundred dollars. It's not that way anymore, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, so he says he, he thinks about it. and He says, "I think we'll take the, the American option for ten thousand dollars." So he says, "I don't understand. You know, like just as a for a business decision, you know, the, it's uh, it's much cheaper here." So he says, "Yeah, no, but there was one time in Tanakh that somebody was buried in Israel, and three days later they came back." He said, "I don't want to take any chances." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like, so the question is, when is it going to be? When is it going to be? The answer is, well, we hope at any point in time, right? That's, that's the flip side, the negative, poor, poor joke um, side, side of it. We hope at any point in time there should be an opportunity to return to, to life. But uh, more seriously, let's try to appreciate where this happens. So there's three questions we need to ask, and I want to address them to two people in history. We're going to ask the same three questions, and we're going to ask them to two of the greats of our history. And the one person is going to be Rav Moshe ben Maimon, the Rambam, and the other person is going to be Rav Moshe ben Nachman. The Nachmanides, Okay, we're going to ask the same three questions, and those questions are: What will Olam Haba look like? When is Olam Haba? And what? How does Tchias Hamesim fit into this? Now, the reason why this is all integrated is because Tchias Hamesim is a bridge between different stages. We've been talking about just to appreciate the last few Ikarim. We talked about Hashkacha Pratis, which governs this world. We've talked about. Um, um, which governs the next world. We've talked about Mashiach, which is this in-between stage, right? So this is the timeline we've been building up. And now we have Tchias HaMesim. In order to really appreciate what Tchias HaMesim is bridging, we need to understand where it's leading. So to understand Olam Abba, what does Olam Abba look like? That's the question we're going to have to ask first the Rambam, then the Ramban. Okay? And we're going to get very two very different 
um, schema in understanding what the, what the process looks like. So here we go. The Gemara tells us the following. This is in source 6, Gemara in Brachos, Dav Yudzayin Mun Aleph. The Gemara tells us, and this is, this is where it all begins, the very enigmatic piece of Chazal, which has been a, a, the, the, the center of controversy for many centuries. Margola Bapume Darav. Rav used to always say the following. This world is not similar to the world to, the, the, that we're in. It's not similar to the world to come. The world to come does not have eating, does not have drinking, does not have reproduction, does not have business, does not have envy, does not have hate or competition. Rather, the, the righteous sit there and they have these crowns on their head and they are, um, are they imbibing, they are being sustained by the ziva shechina, by the glow of the, of the glory of Hashem. That's the description of Olam Abba. So, at this point in time, the question is, is, does this sound physical or spiritual, this experience? Spiritual. Sounds pretty spiritual, right? That's what it sounds like. Which is what, what leads the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva. By the way, asterisk at this point in time. We're going to be learning the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva starting in El, which is in two weeks' time. In Yilk Yami, every day, one halacha or two halachas a day. So, stay tuned for that. If you want to get involved, please reach out. There's an opportunity to learn online or in shul after every, or before every minyan. Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to do this. This is in Perak Yerches of Hilchos Shuvah. The Rambam tells us, Ha'olam Abba, this is a baseless Kumara, Ein boy guf v'gviya. There is no body in the world to come. Elon nafshois tzad tzadikim bilvad baloi guf kamalach ha'ashores. It is going to be the, 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 the souls of the righteous without any Physical um, component. It has nothing of the bodily requirements. And none of the physical requirements of this world will, will, will in a certain sense, weigh down the person in that, in that world. Sitting, standing, sleeping, death, sadness, um, laughter, and he quotes this Gemara. And he quotes this Gemara in Brachas. And he goes on to say, well, it does sound like, by the way, in that Gemara it says that they're Yoshvim, right? That they're sitting, right? You know, and they've got these crowns, which sounds a little physical. The Rambam says, yeah, well, that's, that's metaphorical. It's trying to, you know, you can't, you can, we can only use certain words. We only have certain vehicles to describe this process. But nonetheless, it is a completely cerebral, completely spiritual existence where there is nothing else left for, um, except for the spirit of the person which is <laughs> which is being sustained from the, uh, the divine. That's the way we view the Olam Abbas, says the Rambam. When, pray tell, does this exist? So the Rambam, a few halakhs later, the very end of this parak says, if we skip to the next source in source 8, Rambam tells us, Why is it called the world to come? Right? To come sounds like the future. It's because it comes after what? After each person's this world. Right? I mean, say it is after each person passes away, that's when Olam Abba starts for them. And it is always it is it is it is always the first nec- the, well, the next stage for a person. The way the Rambam understands that he explains it more carefully later, I mean, more in Nevuchim and other places, is that really ultimately there are two tracks which are coexistent. So if we I just just to I plot this I plot this out in some graphs so it's easier to see. Um, for those who are listening online, this is available on the right hand side of the, um, the all the downloads just to just see it's easier. So here we go. 
we, if you, you look, if we move, view at the orientation of time, let's say, let's put this, if we're graphing this, and time is moving in the direction of left to right, we're using just secular orientation for a second. So time is moving from right to left, there is a human life in Olamazeh, which is concurrent to Olamabo, which is happening at the same time as it. When a person, Ad Estrim, passes away, they, they drop up into um, Olamabo, um, which is at the same time as they're living. So therefore, communally speaking, if you think about it uh, as a community and a nation, there are, there, Olamaba is continually existing all the time that we're living, and there are many, many, many millions of people and neshamas who are there right now. And when our, when our, when our lives and when our tafkir is finished and the Kodesh Baruch Hu says uh, die, at that point in time, we enter into that because it's right now. So there's essentially two tracks. Olamazeh and Olamaba are essentially concurrent with one another. And when Olamazeh ends for a person, they drop into Olamaba. That's the way the Ramam views it. This completely spiritual existence, the body is put on hold, and that's it. What was that? Oh, so there's a lot of questions that we can have on this whole business. Um, a lot of questions on the Ramam's structure over here. But the first question I'd like to ask is, so where does Olamaba fit into this business? Oh, sorry, where does Tchias Mason fit into this? Because let's think about this for a second. If there's Olamazeh and Olamaba, and a person passes away and they enter into Olamaba. So where's Tchias Amesim left? Right? Do, you, do, you, do you need Tchias Amesim anymore? Right? The person's done with their body, they've finished their, their tafke, they're done. So that's, that's all we should be have, right? So the Ramam, the Ramam does address this. He does uh, address this. The, the, the clearest summary of the Ramam is actually the Ramban quoting him in his book called Shar Hagumul. And here's what he says in Source 9. Starting towards the end of the first line in, um, in Sosani, he says, Vihine. Um, it's about five lines uh, um, long, so the end of the first line he says, The Ramam certainly believes that there is Tchiasa The souls will be pulled back from Olamaba where they are residing. Put, reconstituted into their bodies to live for a period of times. They'll be pulled back into the confines of this world during the period of this world, Yemois HaMashiach. And they now have a much easier time, as we talked about last week, in uh, the times of Mashiach, will be a much easier time to perform mitzvahs. Then they're going to die again. Meaning to say, the ultimate is not Olam Azeh, where there's a body. Anything in the confines of this world has to have a body. Anything which is outside of this world doesn't have a body. So therefore, when a person passes away, they enter into Olam Abba. Let's try to do it to this orientation. Person lives. They enter into Olam Abba after their lives. At a certain point in the future, there's going to be a time where they return to this world to regain the opportunity to advance their place and their portfolio in the world to come, because you can't do that in the world to come, in the Muslim Sheikh when it's easier, and then everybody passes away again, back into Olam Abba. That's the way the Ramam understands it. So is that Tchiyas amazing? Yes. Is it final? No. no, it's not final, because it's just a, it's, we'll call it a second chance for the Tzadikim. Remember the Ramam says it doesn't happen for everybody. It happens for those people who are Tzadikim who get the merit to come back again. Because remember... As, as, as beautiful and as wonderful, as sublime as the world to come is, in the end of the day, you can only advance your portfolio based on what you do here. So when a person, they tell the story about, you know, that, that, that there's a particular village in Eastern Europe that's told that there's going to be Tchia Samesim next Tuesday afternoon at 3.30. And everybody is so excited. 
all the, all, all the loved ones. So what they do is they all go down. It, it's, you know, they, they make an announcement, the whole community, everybody's going out to, to, to the Besak Forest. Besak Forest is usually on the side of the, side of the <coughs> town. And everybody's going there and, you know, and this one's baking, uh, you know, so-and-so's favorite apple pie. And this one over here is getting out their favorite music. And this one, this one's putting out their favorite rug. And they're all standing at the side of the Besak Forest and waiting. Um, for, for this moment, and 3.30 comes, the, the bell in the, uh, in the tower rings, 3.30, everybody gets out of the graveyard, and uh, all, all, all the mesim suddenly jump out of their graves, and run straight past all the people, past the apple pies and rugs and music, into the base of learn Torah, go consummately for one total hour, run back to the gra back graveyard, and, and then go and, and return to the, to the grave. Because in the end of the day, every second of Olamaz is so precious. Unfortunately, when we're living through it, it's, you know, we, we, we kind of live through it. But if a person has a second chance, if a person gets back a chance to go back, the Yomasim HaShech is around talks about it, every second's accounted for. Right? There's certain things, there's prioritization, there's a hierarchy of what, what we can do, what we're able to achieve in the limited time we have. That's where the Ram looks at it over here. So we do have Tchia Samesim in the Ramam's world. It just happens to be that there's these two concurrent worlds which are, go, which are happening over here. The, the model I, I just put over here just to see it simply on the top of the page. Let's see where I put it in this one. I've um, just got two, two, two sets over here. Is on the, the top of the bottom of page five. Okay, so this is where the Rambam has it. There's all these lives which, when a person enters into Olam they are brought back into the Moshe Mashiach to return to a greater stature in um, in, in Olam as well. Um, and to the degree we, we put in the effort, that is the degree we get out. You know, they talk about the fellow who. Uh, one more, one more story, just while we're at it. The, the fellow who, uh, you know, he kind of lived a he kind of lived a. Uh, you know, a, a, a by the law, by the letter of the law kind of life, right? You know, everything, you know, if there were two opinions, you know, uh, there's, there's Yesh al right? You know, he, he always had a, he always had a, you know, there's always a cooler when the cooler could be found. And so what happens is he comes to Alam Abba, he gets there, and the, the chauffeur pulls up his, fi his file and looks at, his, looks at the, the notes and um, says to him, okay, so you can, you can come in the car, and they, he takes him down. He starts driving, you know, through Hewlett Bay Park area, and he says, wow, this is unbelievable, and, and, uh, and he says, no, this is not your section yet, and he carries on going, and, you know, he moves a little through the Cedarhurst area, and he's like, this is not too bad either, and he says, I'm sorry, we're not there yet, and they start moving through Brooklyn, and Queens, and, you know, and, you know the, the area deteriorates as he goes, and they get, suddenly get to East New York type of kind of, kind of area, and, um, and there's a dilapidated building where, and the car stops outside and says, you know, sir, here you are. So he says, this is Olam Abba? So man says, well, there's a shitter that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that believes that. Um, right, so in a certain sense, right, the life we lead is, is, where, is, where, is where we end up. So this, this is the way the Rambam looks at it. Now, happens to be the Rambam is highly debated. The Rambam is really one of the marginal pictures, uh, one of the marginal ideas in this. Because let's ask the same three questions again, okay? So again, the three questions are... What does Olam Abba look like? When is Olam Abba? And how does Tchia Samesim fit into this? Let's ask the same three questions again to the, the later contemporary of the Rambam, the Ramban. Okay, the Ramban has this, this unbelievable sefer called Torah Sa'adam. Most of it is halacha. It, refers, it talks about Dina Avelos. Most of the Avelos we learn is a lot of it, the, the Shulchan Arach, is derived from the Ramban's Torah Sa'adam. The end section of it is called Shar HaGmul. And he talks about Din, Rachamim, how this world works, the Olam Abba, the world to come afterwards. And here's what he says. He is based on a separate Chazal, which sounds a little different from the Chazal that the Rambam is based on. Here's how he starts. Source 10. The, the Gemara Sanhedrin, Tzadi Beis on Aleph, which is what, where a lot of these topics are talked about. Tanad Eliyahu, in the Yeshiva of Eliyahu Anavi, it was said, Tzadikim she'asid ha'kadosh baruchu le'achayosom enom chayzim la'afra. Anybody who's going to be re re revived 
is never going to die again. Now that sounds a little problematic if you were the Rambam. Because remember, according to the Rambam, there is no eternal existence for a body. Because the only eternal existence can be in Olam Abba. And if you're in Olam Abba, there's no body, right? So even Tchia Samesim is temporary, according to the Rambam. It's going to re- the person is going to return to the place where they should be, which is Olam Abba, which is the Ikar. That's the way the Rambam understands it. But this Gemara doesn't sound like that, right? This Gemara sounds like there's going to be an eternal time where there's, a re- there, there's going to be revival which is going to last forever. So how does that work? Not so simple. So the Ramban actually says that the way the, way the world is going to look is going to be a little different to the way that, uh, that the Rambam looked at it. Um, in source 11, just the underlined section, he says, Ratzul Omar, Shekiyum ha-anoshim ha-zoichim ha-hem, Beziv ha-kavoid, Kekiyum ha-nefesh be-guf ba-olam ha-zeh ba-achilo when quoting the original Gemara that the Rambam talks about, remember the Rambam says that the, <coughs> quoting the Gemara in Brachos that a person is going to be people tzaddikim going to be sitting and neni mizivashchina. So that doesn't mean to say that there's no um, physical component. It just means to say that the physical component of the human being at the time of Olam Abba will be sustained spiritually, meaning they'll have so much less that they need. They won't need the gross or you know we call it rough. Um, building blocks of, of physicality to sustain them, they'll be able to be sustained from a spiritual diet in that place, although they, albeit with a physical body. Fascinating. He gives examples. Where do we see this in history? Where, where else have we seen in history that a physical body can exist in a spiritual realm? Moshe Rabbeinu, right? We know that Moshe Rabbeinu ascends to Har Sinai, and for 40 days and 40 nights, he's there, and he's not eating and drinking, right? He's not, he, 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 there's, there's no Rita's stand up on Sinai, right? He is, he is completely and fully being sustained by, uh, by the spiritual. Another example, Eliyahu Novi goes up. It doesn't say Eliyahu dies. His spirit does not depart. Eliyahu Novi goes to heaven, right? He goes to heaven complete. As a, as a complete human being, he ascends to heaven. There are numerous people throughout history. Chanoich, right? In, in Bereshis, right? He went with Eloki. Hashem took him. That doesn't mean to say he died. He did not die. He ascended complete. Into the, next, into the next stage of existence, which means we have examples where a body can exist in the spiritual domain, which means, says the Ramban, that what will Olam Haba look like? Olam Haba will look like the refined, purified body and the purified soul reunited in, a, in, in we'll call it the pristine existence of what a human being is supposed to look like. That's what the Ramban, the, the Ramban understands. So there will be a physical component of sorts, a refined physical component in Olam Abba, very much unlike the, Ram, the, the, the Ramam himself. Okay, so when does this happen? Remember the Ramam says that there are two concurrent tracks. When does this happen according to the Ramban? Well, what does the word Olam Haba sound like? Haba sounds? Future. To come, future. The Ramam says future means future for every person, right? It really, it's really here now, right? But it's future for us because we're here, right? So, uh, so the Ramban says absolutely not. Take a look at this in source 12. The, this is the, again the Ramban in Shara Gumul. He says, by the way, it's a very long essay. It's a very, very long essay. So it's really worthwhile learning. But, the, but, um, but that's why there's, there's, no, there's not so many demarcations in the original text as to where it is in, in the section, which is why it's just one quotation. He says, you know what? Olam Abba isn't now. There is no Olam Abba right now. Olam Abba is going to be only after 7,000 years. Right? The world has got a certain time frame. At the end of that time frame is when Olam Abba is reached. Which is why, by the way, and so the Ramban is saying is that the model of the seven days of creation, the six days of creation and seventh day, is the model of 
which makes sense, by the way, because of course it's the same dynamics, if you think about it. If you don't put your chonant on, on Erev Shabbos, there ain't no food on Shabbos. That's how it works, right? So the Ramban is saying, it's the same model. Hashem felt that it was so important for us to understand how Olam HaZen, Olam Abba worked. He gave us a weekly model for us to remember that, right? So that Shabbos where you forget to prepare, you're going to remember that you shouldn't forget to prepare for the ultimate Shabbos, right? That's the, that's the, the model as is being presented to us. And it's apparently so important, that's why it happens on a weekly basis. Okay, so this is the way that Ramban understands it, which means when is Olam Abba? In the future, it isn't now. It's not, it's not coming. It's really in the future. It's a time where there's a physical and spiritual component in the very, very future. And it's going to be at the end of the Elif Ashri. Okay. And eternal. And who says there's time in Olambo? There's no time. It's going, be, it's going to be everlasting. But the point is, when, uh, there is time till we get there. Because we're in the constraints of Olamazah still that's until then. That's where the Ramam seems to make more sense. Because the Ramam seems to be uh, is saying that. Olambo is a concurrent process. It's hard to imagine a concept of a, of something that is occurring later that is not within. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's either pick one. Pick you're one right. The, either you're following chronology or not. Very so good. Rambam is, makes much more sense in that way. It's not. It's non chronological. It's, you're right. It's concurrent. You're right. So the, the, you, you're right. Kind of both ways. You're right. So meaning apparently once it starts, it's eternal. But up to that point. It is not, it's not, it's not eternal until we get there. One second, I want to just follow, follow through on, on a few thoughts. If that's true according to the Ramban, so what happens till then? What happens till then? A person passes away, Rahman al-Islam. So where, do they, where are they going until then, right? There's no Allah Abba yet, right? So what happens? So Ramban says, oh, that's, that's the other part of the equation. The Rambam, didn't, the Rambam conflated this. What happens after, after death is what's called Olam Hanashamais says the Ramban, the world of the souls. The world of the souls is tracked into two sections. One is called what we call Gan Eden, and the other one is called Gehinnom. Right? Now, the way that works is that the, there, there's, there, there are, there's a, the, the soul and the body are separated, and the soul, the soul and the body both grow through a refining process. What's called Chibot HaKever, when the, when the body decomposes, that's what's called Chibot HaKever, that's a process of refining of the body, so that when it's reconstituted, It'll be cleansed, right? That's, that's the cleansing process of the body, which is why there's famously, there's famous, uh, there's famous cases of where certain tzaddikim were reinterred and there was not any, it was not chibot there was no biodegrading, right? Because that means that that body didn't need refining, right? Um, very unusual circumstances which have happened. Um, documented cases. But the, when it comes to the, olama, uh, the, the, the neshama itself, the neshama goes through a process where for the, the way that it's described is that for most average people it is less than a year. Less than a year, which is why the Kaddish goes on for less than a year. And, there is a, and then, then, then the person goes into the waiting room called Olam HaNeshamas, which is the Gan Eden, where they, it's a Me'ain Olam Abba. It's not the full aspect of Olam Abba, but, it is a, uh, but it, the person is receiving a Me'ain of what they will in the world to come itself. And that's almost like a waiting room, which the Ramban describes, for the world to come itself. Okay, so this, uh, and if you, if you look at it in, the, in, in terms of like graphically, just to, just to point this out, and again, I apologize, it's, I'm describing this in, in just rather callous terms, and, just, um, and this obviously means a lot more when we think about people, but just, just to set up the schema right now, just to appreciate what, what, the way the Ramban, the Ramban understands this, is you have a human lifetime, if we're moving from right to left in terms of the orientation, I'm sorry, left to right in terms of orientation, there's a human, life, a human lifetime, after the lifetime, the, the, there's, a, there's a, set, a period of refining, which is called an aspect of Gehinnom, and then there's a return to Olagan Eden, Olan and the, the Neshama waits and waits and waits until the future where there's a world to come, Olam 
and then the neshama gets the real, really enters into, it's reconstituted with the body, and, and uh, really enters into the world to come. When does, and if you look communally, that there's numerous lifetimes going on all at the same time, and everybody's in the waiting room at the end of the period, when Olam Abba hits. And that's when everybody is reconstituted and the neshama is reunited with the body in the full and wholesome experience of what it should be. So when does when do, when does Tchias take place then? Right before Alam Abba. Tchias ostensibly takes place just before Alam Abba. Meaning all the neshamas are waiting and waiting and waiting. And at such a point when they finally are completely refined and the moment has come when Alam Abba starts, there's this reconstitution, there's a reuniting of the full human persona of the body and the, and the soul. And that's when they enter into Alam Abba. And um, um, is it right to just hold the questions for a second because I just want to make sure we, there's a few things I'd like to co uh, cover still. So this is, this is where the Ramban views it. I'm not going to read inside just because of the, for the sake of time, but the sources are all here. So I just, the, the, these are worthwhile reading and, and taking a look at. This is the, the Ramban talks about this explicitly. What I did not quote is the numerous interceding paragraphs where the Ramban quotes all the sources, all the Midrashim, all the Gomorrahs, all the Mishnayas, which support every notion of what he does. What the Ramban's beauty is, is he's synthesizing all the Chazals we hear, here and there, and he synthesizes it into a system. That's the way the Ramban puts it together. So now, um, how many Tchiyasamesims will there be? Right, so according to this, both the Rambam and Ramban is going to be a Tchiyasamesim, um, the, the, according to the Rambam, it's going to be before it's, here, it's going to be before your Moshe Mashiach, the times of Messiah, when the person gets a chance again back in this world before passing away again. Whereas according to the Ramban, it's before Olam Abba. But in the Ramban's model, actually, it turns out that there is not just one Tchias because he has the deal. This is a question that was asked to Rav David Ben Zibra in the, four, in the 1400s. He had, listen to this, how he was asked this question. Source 16. He says, Sha'altami men did nafshi. My dear friend asked me, We know that Tchias will take place before Olam Abba at the beginning of the seventh millennia. With the entry of the Shabbos of the world. Sorry, Vakashali. It is problematic to me. That means to say, if that's true, that there are going to be many wonderful and brilliant people who pass away and will miss Yomosa Mashiach. They will miss the, the Mashiach altogether because they're no longer here. How does that work? <coughs> so the Radvaz answers based on a, one of his teachers, the Ritvo, who says, yes, there's two times of Tchiyas HaMesim. Stage one of Tchiyas HaMesim is before Mashiach comes. That's when all the righteous get a chance to re-enter Olam Azeh. And another chance, again, like the Rambam says, to work again. But then there's going to be Tchiyas HaMesim for everyone well, who's worthy for Olam Abba. Um, at, uh, at such a point. And remember we talked about the Ramban, how he understands that by the time there's the final entranceway, the final Tchiyasamesim, you're either in or out. That's why there's a refining process to make sure that all the accounting has taken place before we get to that, uh, to that stage. But there's two sets of Mishtiyasamesim. One preceding the Yomos Mashiach and one following it as we enter into Olam Abba. So this, the sequence of the Ramban, if we were to view this just to, um, clearly, is there's regular lifetime, there's Olam Anishamos, there's Yomos Mashiach and there's Olam Abba. Preceding and following Yomas Mashiach is when Tchias HaMesim will take place. One, to allow certain people back in for to re, a re-opportunity to, to, to earn. And number two is, is really the real Tchias HaMesim, which is to enter into the world to come. Very different, different schema. Which way is the way we follow today, generally speaking? Which is the model that we follow today? Generally understood? 
the, uh, the Arizal very clearly, basically Kabbalistically understood like the Ramban, like Nachmanides, which is generally the model that we understand. That there is no Olam now, and after, uh, after passing away there is no Olam there's Olam Anashamas, which is the waiting room, which is a Me'ain Olam but it's still in the confines of Olam Hazeh. It's still within the constraints of time and the reward of punishment within this world. Um, this is the way it is understood. However, you should know that historically speaking, this was a great, there was a great controversy about this. Now, I'm very happy to say that in, in, in America, there's never been a controversy or a debacle. There have only been con- uh, controversies, how do you say it here? And debacles, right? There you go. So, anyways, but nonetheless, in the, in the times of the Rambam, there were controversies. And so the Rambam, the Rambam had a little bit of difficulty because, you see, the way the Rambam, now, now we've got to this point, the Rambam understands that Tkiyas Mesam ultimately, ultimately happens only once, and that's just to get into Yomos HaMashiach. And thereafter, you don't need Tkiyas HaMesim again because the body isn't needed anymore, right? The body isn't needed. The person's real persona is going to exist and live in the world to come, fully and totally. So the Rambam was therefore criticized by many um, who said that the Rambam doesn't believe in Tkiyas HaMesim, which is a little preposterous, you think, right? Because after all, we're learning the 13th principle of faith based on the Rambam who says that Tkiyas HaMesim is the 13th principle of faith, right? You would, you would, you would, you would think that would be pretty obvious. But nonetheless, there were many people who disagreed with the Rambam. Um, one example was, the, the, but just to appreciate this, the Rambam's books were burnt, and the first wave of burning of the Rambam's books, which was during his lifetime, the first wave, there were four waves in history, the first wave of burning of the Rambam's books was actually the Sefer Hamada, which includes Hilchos Tshuva, which is what we just learned beforehand, based on this. Based on, uh, 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 this is one of the reasons why people really disagreed with him. One of the major Pro, um, opponents was a person by the name of Rabbi Meir Abu Lafia, right, who was a, a contemporary of the Rambam, one of the persons who wrote, wrote very strongly against him. As an example, this is a take a look in Source 17. He wrote a letter to the, the Chachme Lunil, the wise men of Lunil, in what's called Kitab al Rasil. Kitab is actually the Arabic word. Kitab al Rasil is a, 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 this is a, this was his letter to the, the, the sages of Lunil, and he says, and this, this is a quotation of his, quite hard to get hold of this, of this Sefer, um, he quotes the Rambam, um, at the very beginning, at the very last par- sentence of the paragraph, um, which is the second last nine of 17. How is it possible that anybody, how could anybody who has any form of regular intellect believe that, the, that, that to take these psukim and to take this chazal literally, meaning the Rambam. And he goes through this and he goes, and he, very, very, very assiduous attacks on the, on, on the Rambam. Another uh, attacker of the Rambam was a person by the name of Rav Shmuel Ibn Ali, who was uh, one of the great, one of the great leaders in Baghdad, if I'm not mistaken. And he also attacked the Rambam. The Rambam actually has a, there's a, co- a correspondence between the Rambam himself and one of his disciples was a person by the name of Yosef ben Yehuda ibn Aknin, who lived in, who was uh, established a yeshiva in Baghdad. Um, and there was a lot of controversy because at this point in time, remember, the Rambam is living in Egypt. And, and what happens is at the time of the Rambam's life, Egypt conquers the Syria area today. And it conquers Aleppo. And so they start teaching the Rambam's works in Aleppo. But the Baghdad community felt that Aleppo was always under the halachic, the halachic rule of Baghdad. Right, which was under the Resh Galusa of that area. And so there was a debate as to should they be following the Rambam or those who disagree with the Rambam. There was a lot of attacks going on backwards and forwards. And in fact, just to give a sense of just how difficult this is, this is a translation of the Rambam's letter to Yosef and Yehuda Ibn Akinin. 
And this is what he says. This is a translation that's found in tradition a number of years ago. This is the Ramam's own words in Source 18. With regard to the matter you mentioned about going to Baghdad, I've already sanctioned your plan to open there a house of learning which you, uh, um, where you wish to expound the, the law with my code as a textbook. I fear, however, that you'll be constantly involved in disputes with those people and fail to achieve your proper objectives. Moreover, if you assume the practice of teaching, your business affairs will be neglected and you dare not accept any financial reward for them, for teaching. It is far better that you earn a single drachma as a weaver, tailor, or carpenter than to be dependent on the, uh, on the license of, of the Resh Kalusa. If you dispute with any of them, you'll lose your earning. And if you accept from them favors, you'll be hum humiliated. My advice to you is to pay full attention to your trade and practice um, of medicine. At the same time, continue study of a Torah voluntarily. This means to study only the halachas of the Rif and compare them with my codes. That's what the Ramam says. Meaning to say, the, the climate in Baghdad right now is such that were he to open a yeshiva and he would start teaching the Rambam as, as opposed to the Talmudic method, meaning to say, teach through the Rambam's code of law, he would be ostracized and would lose his business. Right? That's, that's what the Rambam is ultimately saying. That's, that's the degree of what's going on at this point in time. Nonetheless, in the he did, and the Rambam actually was able to regain influence. But nonetheless, the Rambam was so put in a corner that he was forced to write what is famously known as one of his igros. One of his letters was called Igeres Tchias Amesim. In responding to the tax of people of the great status of Rameer Abu Lafia and Rav Shmuel Ibn Ali, he responded by writing a, a, a letter about the resuscitation of the dead. And in the beginning he says, and you can just hear the, uh, how, you know, how he says this is unbelievable. He starts off by saying, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu writes in the Torah, yesterday's parasha, Shema Yisrael Hashem Enekena Hashem Echad, a pretty clear Pasuk. And there are people in history who said, you know what, it says in the Pasuk, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem, there's three dimensions of God, there are three gods, and that which it says Echad means that the Trinity really is one. So they looked at a Pasuk, which should be the most obvious, should be the most explicit Pasuk about the belief in God, which is on the lips of every person um, who throughout history who had, to, who had to face trial for being Jewish, and they misinterpret it to mean that that's the point of Christianity. So the Rambam says at the end of that, he says at the end of the paragraph, he says, if they can misunderstand HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then they certainly can misunderstand and misinterpret human beings. So let me, let me make this very clear, says the Rambam. And that's how he begins his letter. The Rambam is obviously under a lot of attack. And it is interesting to note that after the Igeresit Kiyas HaMesim, people like Rameer Abu Lafia actually res re responded and in fact accepted the Rambam. And that's why if you read the Rameer Abu Lafia's Pirush on Sanhedrin, on the 10th parak of Sanhedrin in Mishnayos, he has a Pirush called the Yad Ramah, that's Rameer Abu Lafia. He goes to town to explain his perspective, and then he says, and this is what the Rambam says, this is the attacks on the Rambam, and this is why, I, 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 this is why I'm going to defend the Rambam. And the, the incredible change when you read the difference between what he wrote in his letter to Luniel and his Pirush on Sanhedrin, you see that the, the transition. Why? Because he accepted the Rambam's Igeris Tchiyazamesim. We don't have the time right now, but what an incredible intellectual honesty. Most people in life only know how to dig deeper. Right? They only know how to put their tear heels in further. It's, very, it's unbelievable to, to, to witness a turnaround. Um, nonetheless, this is a very troubling time for the Rambam. And one of the biggest attacks on the Rambam was based on his belief of Olam Abba, on how he understood Olam Abba, and hence how that affected Tchia Samesim. And this was also based on misinterpretations of the translation, unfortunately. People who got fractured perspectives of the Rambam and, uh, and ran with it. The Rambam is very clear in Tchia how, what, what the way he believes and why he believes what he believes. Why are, are the stakes so high? So here we go. The source in, um, in, the, in source 21, for just a quick second, 
The Mishnah tells us the beginning of Perik Chelek. The reason why this Perik is called Chelek is because of this line in the Mishnah. Call Yisrael Yeshleim Chelek Lo Every Jew has a place in the world to come. That everybody has a, se- a, a section, a plot in the world to come. Um, and he concludes, uh, and, and this is the, the way we start Pirkei Avos, actually. Then, These are the people who do not have the ticket. First example is a person who says, There ain't no Tzkiyasameisim. So that, that kind of person, by the way, this is why when the Ramam says, When you ask where the Ramam codify, the 13 principles of faith, you know, where was he sucking this out of? The Rambam is, is explicitly codifying many of the things that were said in this Mishnah, right? The negative side of it. He says, if this puts you out of the category of Judaism, then certainly you have to believe this to be in it, right? That's the, you know, the Rambam wasn't doing any fancy footwork over here. This was very clearly based on this Mishnah over here. The first thing a person loses the world to come for is believing there's no Tchiyas HaMesim. The Gemara actually points out that this is not a punishment. This is a consequence. If you believe there's no train waiting at the station, there won't be a train waiting at the station. Right? Meaning to say, if you say there ain't nothing in the, in the future, it's, you know, live and be merry because tomorrow we die and that's it. And there is nothing, there is no hereafter, then you know what? That's the reality you're going to live with. That's what the, that, that, that's what, that's what the, the, the Gomorrah says. It's midah connected midah, the Gomorrah responds. It, it's, not, it's not, you know, naughty person, you know, you're going to now rap on the knuckles and... That you, no, it's... You, 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 you have a certain sense... You have constricted yourself, Rahman al to such a terrible ended world. We don't believe that. We have, every, we, have the, we have a long and illustrious future waiting based on the, on the worlds that we're making now. So that's what the, that's what the, mission, is, uh, the mission tells us. Now, why is, it, why is it so important with this? We're going to conclude because we're coming to the end of this, but there's just a few very important points. Number, number one is, why is this so important? So, the Gomorrah in Sanhedrin gives us an enigmatic metaphor, and it says like the following. Imagine that you had a blind person and a person who, who had trouble walking, a person who, who was handicapped. And they went into, and they wanted to, they wanted to actually, together, they wanted to go and, and steal grapes from a particular vineyard. But the problem is the blind person is not able to access it himself. The person who's handicapped can't walk by himself, so what do they do? So the blind person goes on the, sh- uh, it, it walks, and the handicapped person stands on their shoulders, and they walk into the vineyard, and dire- the, the, the handicapped person directs the blind person, and together they're able to steal the grapes, they, they, they get a, a, um, a great they cash in, and they're able to say, take everything. So then they're, they're, brought, they're brought to court, and the owner of the vineyard says, where are all my grapes? So the handicapped person says, I, I, I couldn't have done it, I, couldn't have, I simply couldn't have got in there. And the blind person says, I, I couldn't have done it because I couldn't see where, I would not be able to find the door. So how, you, can't, you can't prosecute any of us. So the master of the vineyard says, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the two of you together, I'm going, to put, I'm, going to put the, I'm going to put you on your, your shoulders and we're going to bring you to court like that and we're going to punish the both of you. Right? So the, 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 that's what the Gomorrah says is the following. The Neshama and the Guf live in this world together and a person does many wonderful things and does some less wonderful things in the world. Comes to the Day of Judgment and what's ha- what happens is Akash Baruch Hu says, no, 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 what about this? What about the, this mess on the floor and what about this beautiful edifice you created? And everybody says, well, it wasn't really me. You know, it was the, I, I couldn't have done this by myself. I didn't have a body. I didn't have, a, I didn't have the... the the, the drive or will. So Akash Baruch says, you know what? We're going to put you back together. Right? We're going to, we're, we're going to reconstitute you. And as the, the being as you were, that's how you're going to be judged. Because to, as a composite being, that's what you want. And for the good and for the bad. This, it's the time where a person gets the full recompense for what they're saying. And the, 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 the Lubavitcher Rebbe says in his Sikhos, he has a beautiful uh, safer on this, called <laughs> To Live and Live Again, translated to English. 
by uh, Rabbi Nisan David Dubov. And he talks about, he quotes Tzemach Tzedach, who says that at this point in time, when the body has gone through the refining process, when the soul has gone through the refining process, the, the, the body will be so much, it won't be at odds. It won't be this struggle between what I want and what I know I should do and what I really shouldn't do. There's going to be this, there's going to be this convergence of the body being, in a certain sense, the real case of the desires of the neshama, and that's going to be the reuni reuni reunity, the reunification of a person in the world to come. That's how it's going to be, and that's the, the real person not half the person. The real person is all the parts of the person reconstituted together. I would like to conclude with one, 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 one story. And that is, is that, um, you know, there's many remozen. There are many hints to um, to HaSamesim in the Torah. One of the most famous ones is... We say, we sing, we say every day in Pesukah Dezebra, Oz Yashir Moshe V'nei Yisrael HaSashir Then Moses will sing this song. Then Moses was singing in the history. He's not, not in the future. Oz is talking about the future. Why, why is Moshe Rabbeinu only singing in the future? So Rashi brings one of the Pirushim is, Oz, Mikan Remez Here is a hint to the world, the world to, uh, that there's going to be res a re resurrection. <coughs> and you ask yourselves, you know, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, B'nai Israel, let's try to focus mindfully on what's going on right now. The Mitzvah have just died. You're now free. You're an emancipated pe people. You're a new nation. Why are you talking about the future? Enjoy now, right? Well, forget Tchiyas HaMesim, that's, that's coming, Let, enjoy now. Why is he talking about Tchiyas HaMesim? So the Belzer Rebbe uh, told, the follow, uh, told the following story. The Belzer Rebbe came through at the end of the uh, Holocaust, and he was talking about a particular Shabbos gathering. He had the remaining Hasidim around him, and he wanted to sing, sing Shabbos Miras. Nobody could sing. Nobody could sing. Nobody, nobody had anything left in them to sing anymore. And the Belzer Rebbe said, he said, you know what? He said, I want to explain something to you. You know why it says Oz Yashir Moshe and the Remes Tchiyas HaMesim is at that point in time? Uh, at specifically the time of the Shira of Kriyas So He says, because you know, Chazal tell us that Chamushim Alu B'nei Yisrael Meretz Mitzrayim in Pashas B'Shalach. B'nei Yisrael left as one-fifth, which means to say that there were four-fifths of Israel who said, you know what, it's fine. We're all right with this kind of Egyptian Jewry. You know, we, 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 are, we are Egyptian citizens. We have a nice Jewish dialect. But at the end of the day, we, do, we don't need this God business. We're quite fine over here. You know, it's not, we're a... We are definitely, you know, abused and, you know, the civil rights movement still has to come to Egypt and everything. But in the end of the day, we're, we're all right where we are. And those people didn't leave. Those people didn't leave Egypt. They, the Chazal say that they died during the plague of darkness, but can you imagine that? If you, think, if, you think, if you think about that, that means to say that there's not a single Jew who left Egypt who didn't have a relative who passed away, who didn't come with them. You know, you think about, wow, how amazing it, is, it must have been to leave Egypt. What an exodus it must have been. Well, yes. But think about the pain that they carried with, you, with them. With them. Think about the fact that there was not a single person over there who didn't have somebody else who wasn't coming out with them. Some relative, some cousin, some brother, some sister. Think about that. So Akash Baruch says, you know what? There's only one way you can sing. There's only one way you can sing again when leaving such a distraction. The only way you can sing is knowing that this isn't the end. This isn't the end. There is going to be a Tchiyas HaMesim. There is going to be a future. This is not the here or the be all and end all. The only way they could sing was knowing there is a future. That's where it comes. That's, that was what he said to the Chassidim. You may not have it you to sing now, but understand, this is not it. This is not the end of the map. This is simply a part, this is simply a road, a road stop along the way, and it's a very bad one. But nonetheless, we're still, we're still going. There's still a much bigger future ahead of us. They, um, there, there was a story Rabbi Fran tells about a, um, a woman who, um, who was a She was a widow, and she lost her only son in Melchemes Shlomo Galil. Terrible story um, in, the, in the Israeli army. And she, she was at such a point, she couldn't, she simply couldn't go to family simchas. She wasn't able to go to any simchas, bar mitzvahs, brises. She just, she couldn't bring herself. It was, 
It was too devastating. One day she was at a funeral and in, in Yerushalayim, and she went to the graveyard, and she happened to be passing by the tombstone of Rav Arya Levine. And I want to actually show it to you inside, just if you take a look at the last page of here. Here is the tombstone of Rav Arya Levine. Take a look at this. This is the real picture, if I'm not mistaken, this is in Sanhedria. The graveyard says this is Rav Arya Levine. The bottom of the, of the, of the gravestone, it says the following. Anybody who comes to my stone, they should say with a full mouth, he commanded that what's going to be written on his tombstone, not how wonderful he was, not the way to, to order extra copies of a tzaddik in our time, none of that is going to be written on his tombstone. What's written on his tombstone? The last Ani Mamin. Rabbi Frank concludes that when this woman passed by this grave, this reading this tombstone, realizing that in fact this isn't the, uh, the be all and end all, was what allowed her back perhaps into her life to be able to experience life again. Because the, the way the Ramam concludes is, we have a long future ahead together, with our loved ones, together in the Yomoyz HaMashiach and Olam Abba. Shenizke lekach bimherev yameinu. Lechanan minakash shemorat sakodesh baruch, lezakos Yisrael afiqa khir bolayim tarim, so shenem adnei chavetz manzi koyak dil tarabi adir.